0: Hello, thank you for joining me. This is Ernestine Lyons, host of Quick to Politic, the podcast, the social commentary show that explores topics ranging from social justice to history, economics, small business, and of course, local and national politics. Thank you for joining me. Everybody and welcome to Quick to Politic. I am your host Ernestine Lyons and uh, this is the local politics um, info uh, information show and we also delve into contemporary issues ranging from, you know, more local things to national politics and, you know, just just economics history and everything in between. And so we're going to deviate a little bit um, and talk about some issues that range from, you know, home ownership to renovation to, you know, maybe shifting careers and, you know, so some of these areas that, you know, I know a very special um, person who who is an expert in these fields. And uh, her name is Gloria Lyons, and she's also my sister. So welcome, Gloria. Hello. So I say hello to the audience out here.
1: Hello. How is everyone today? Okay. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, yes. We are super excited to have you here. And um, so what I want to do is um, ask you to, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, um, you know, introduce what you do, who you are, and uh, all these cool things that you've been doing all my life. And I just have to say, Gloria is the best older sister ever. Um, My sister, my older sister is better than your older sister, so. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay, well, my name is Gloria Lyons, and I've had many paths in my life, um, my uh, 30-something years of living. Um, one of the biggest things I, uh, well, one of my biggest accomplishments I feel was uh, going into the military and completing my time there and <clears throat> getting out and, 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 uh, pursuing academic ventures. So I got my master's in, uh, accounting, uh, and I did some accounting work with the, with the government, um, uh, working as a GS employee for a while, uh, did some auditing as well. Um, but, uh, I, I find that, you know, even though I do enjoy that, the theory of accounting, um, there was other things that I wanted to dig into, uh, like I've always been a big lover of, um, beauty, specifically hair and braids. Okay. Well, we'll make this interview quick.
0: Okay. So you were telling us about the creative things and the, you know, just the art artistic side of you. Which you know, Gloria has always been a world-renowned artist um, in the Metro Detroit area. Uh, in my mind, you know, because you know, in a little sister's mind, <laughs> an older sister is like is doing far more things than I think that we we give ourselves credit for. So, um, you know, you you were you were telling us about the the creative side of yourself that has kind of led into you know um, where you are now with. Um, so tell us about when you found your historic home, um, in Indian village, I won't say where, um, and, uh, you know, you, you decided to start this journey to renovating this home and making it, you know, just, just this beautiful little mansion.
1: It has evolved over the years. And so now it's leaning more towards, um, home renovation, redesign, and, um, Know, just uh, just rehabbing and, and, and restoring historical aspects of homes and and so this kind of uh, came about when um, I was at a point where I was looking for a home and I wanted to uh, relocate back to Detroit. I had been kind of all over the place with the military and even outside of the military, just kind of all over the place, uh, different states and stuff. And so um, I went to relocate back to Detroit and um, I was looking for a home and it was kind of like that era when when the tax auction was not quite really uh, paid attention to. Uh, There were some people that were savvy to it, but not not so many as now. And uh, it definitely hadn't gotten uh, national attention or international attention. And so, um, I got on the, the new website and was attempting to make a purchase. Uh-huh. And uh, I had found a home. And to be honest, I, I wasn't quite sure where it was. And I had drove by once. And I I didn't really like it. I, I for, uh, for some reason, I didn't really... It did really stand out to me. And I find that this happens with properties that I buy. Uh, they don't really stand out to me at first.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then um, I made a little list of uh, the properties that were coming up on the auction. And uh, <clears throat> when auction day kicked off, I got on there and I, I, was wa- I watched the, the houses I had marked. And uh, that property was one of them. And so it was kind of like, it was lower on my list, but it was one of them. And I had noticed that all of the properties that I really was paying attention to, they had went for well above uh, my price range. And so uh, my attention was turned to this property. And uh, luckily it was, because uh, it almost ended like, uh, an accidental buy. It was like, oh, well, I'm not going away empty-handed. I'm just going to bid on something because a house is a house. And so I bid on this house. And uh, as the auction went on, I noticed no one else bid. It was like nobody else really paid attention to this house. I didn't have any 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 um, um, people coming to uh to counterbid mm-hmm. me or anything like that, and so it was like this house just kind of went under the radar, or maybe it was something that scared people away. Um,
0: because those houses are pretty big, so you know, for those of us outside well, there, of this area,
1: there were other um houses in that area that went for bigger, way more, mm-hmm. so um. I'm not 100% sure. I do think that some of the things in the house scared people away because they didn't really know how to address it. But when it all boils down, a lot of the things in the house were not as major as people kind of like thought they were. Um, I think a lot of people on that auction back then were looking for quick fixes and quick flips versus, um, versus something that was like a little more long term or whatnot. So anyway, I bid bid on this house and nobody else bid. And so I ended up winning this house and it was kind of frightening at first because it was like, Oh, well, did you win a house? Mm -hmm. What happened? Is the auction over? Is it mine? Right. And so, uh, I, uh, went downtown and paid the little money and got uh the temporary deed and then they said the real deed would be in the mail and all this and there you go it, it was done but um i was still um like one foot in with a living or uh, relocating back to detroit and the house did need substantial repair i mean like <clears throat> it was on a knob and tube system so i need all new electrical all new plumbing all new hvac because the existing boiler system was just, like, non-existent. It wasn't even there. Uh, and there were some damage, you know, from scrappers and things like that. Uh, but structurally, the house was still a beautiful home. So, right, you know, once those things were replaced and put back in there, they were expensive. But you still came out right side up with this uh, with this house the value continued to increase. And so uh, even though I spent a substantial amount of money doing a lot of the things that I've done so far, um, it's still right side up, I don't know, two or three fold. Um, so, I mean, like it's still a good investment. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, it's been a labor of love trying to relocate from... Uh, At the time I was in Texas and uh, back to Detroit and and just trying to figure out how to do this properly because it really wasn't a situation in Detroit where there were many investors doing uh, um, distance renovations or anything like that you know getting contractors and stuff to take care of it while they're out of state and all that stuff
0: right because this was like right around what 2009 um right when the financial crisis happened and then you know maybe two two years after Mm -hmm.
1: okay yeah it was around that time frame after the crash and stuff so i mean you didn't really have like the market just wasn't ready for it it didn't uh it didn't start really happening until closer to like I'll say maybe 2014 or something like that when it wasn't really recovering but you know people were looking for ways to make money and um, they started identifying Detroit as one of those places because there were so many houses that were on the auction and uh, they were just sitting there being destroyed Um, and you can pretty much at that time get a house for $500 and nobody would bat an eye because there were just so many Nobody was, there was no competition to come and and encounter bids. So, you know, you could get a house, a thousand starting bid, uh, 500 to a thousand, and it was a done deal. But it was still a matter of renovating, being that there was so much destruction being done to the city um, from scrappers and people going in houses, uh, gutting them and, and, and taking things out. Just because it was it was pretty much a free for all. There were so many houses, you know, who could stop them, who could stop them from going in and causing thousands of dollars of damage for maybe a couple hundred dollars worth of profit in in copper or wire or something like that. So, anyway, this house was a victim to that, but it still was a beautiful house. And after I had. Uh, Purchased it and it was actually mine, you know, I held on to it for a while trying to make sure I, I tried to make this relocation back to, to Michigan. But that was difficult because it was at a time where Michigan was at a low with mm-hmm. employment and like um, among
0: the worst in the nation.
1: Right. And there was the there was hardly any jobs. I mean, there were jobs, but they weren't jobs that were substantial enough. I mean, like I, at that time, I was working for a school system, a college system. In uh, Texas and so um, I made pretty decent money and so coming back um, I would have been uh, would have had my master's degree and uh, quite a few things under my belt and so the job pool just didn't support the type of employment that I needed so uh, that was that was challenging being able to find a job up here but then I finally did and I was able to make that transition and uh, actually get started on the house, but then I also ran to other uh, roadblocks with that. And, and this is this kind of lends to the um, um, the talks about. I'm um <laughs>
0: Sorry for that big distraction. <laughs> that was me. Um, you know, stuff was falling, so pardon um. <laughs> <laughs> the interruption, audience. <laughs>
1: This part of the story kinda lends to um uh talks about uh non traditional paths to home ownership. Uh, because I think my story was definitely one of them. You know, a lot of people think, Oh, well you have to have to have the job and, and have the income and have the credit score and then find the uh realtor and and get the bank with the mortgage and all this stuff. You know, and it's it's the traditional route, Um, but that's not the only route, and a lot of people don't have to take that route. And so my route was more of, I ended up getting a house that was was worth substantially more than what it was auctioned for. And um, so at that point, once I had the house under ownership, it was like, well, now where are you going to get the money to renovate? The house is free and clear, it's yours. It's paid for, but where are you going to get the money to renovate? And at that point, it was quite a few things that needed to be done just to make it livable again. Um, and I didn't see it as a quick flip. So I saw it as, well, if you got a mortgage for something like this, you would have paid, you know, at that time, close to 200000 for something like that. So, um, you know, if you got a loan or whatnot if you could get a construction loan for uh a hundred thousand and make that work would you be able to i mean like you still be right side up and so that's how i look looked at the whole the project it's like you know you don't really plan on selling or flipping but you know you still be right side up and so um i went seeking i was trying to find the money and once again i was Ahead of that curve because the programs were not there for Detroit. Uh, it didn't matter where your home was. Banks saw you as a risk and they did not want to lend to you, especially somebody that was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and Because it wasn't my credit score. I didn't have a bad credit score. Right. And it wasn't my job. I, I worked for the government. Uh, so it was it was never my income it was the fact that I was a single, um, black female, um, fairly young, um, just hitting my thirties, my early thirties. And, um, yeah, yeah. It was like the bank just did not see me as a candidate Mm -hmm. regardless of all those, those pluses. And so, uh, with that being said, I went through a Long period where I just could not find the funding to get the house started, and so it was really just a secure and hold on to it game. And so, at one point, the roof started leaking pretty bad. And, uh, you know, if you don't have the money to get the roof done, you know, it's not like sometimes it, it would be difficult for you to finance a roof with a company that's going to charge you some ridiculous, uh, uh some ridiculous interest rate when you could have gotten a construction loan and just did the whole thing so it's kind of like uh for for a lot of black people and um and um and predominantly uh uh in areas that are predominantly like um um, um ethnic cultures and maybe even the um, the economic Uh, outlook if that area is not that great it's hard to make a transition to be able to fix up your neighborhood and increase your home values and and start increasing wealth and 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 like buying small businesses and, and and um a commercial property to kind of start that income coming in it's hard to do that when you don't have the lenders
0: Right, right. There's yeah. a lot of barriers to entry for, you know, just uh, a lot of, you know, th- this is something that I don't think people realize and that when you do, when you're African-American in a predominantly African-American, you know, uh, neighborhood or area, people are going to be skeptical about lending.
1: Right, right. They, 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 they're skeptical and sometimes unfairly so. You've even, you've even been redlined mm-hmm. right out of Uh, the pool for candidates for lending. I mean, you take this house in Indian village, Indian village values have never dipped below a certain level. Um, Even at its worst, uh, Indian village was valued substantially higher Mm -hmm. than the surrounding areas uh, in, um, in Detroit, in the heart of Detroit. So, when it, when it all boils down, when banks are looking at that, how could they say it's not a value, but I, I got a lot of dis- uh, discriminatory kind of like a, um, uh, actions happen where it's like, you know, appraiser would come by and tell me my house was only worth 40,000 mm-hmm. when no house on the block was worth less than 150,000. Mm-hmm. So how is that even possible? But, um, you know, you know, you have people that that says, well, you're in Detroit and Detroit is majority black and you're not you weren't worth um, this so-called risk. Right. You know, because you're in a certain pool, you know, it's not even looking at the individual anymore. It's looking at this pool of people and you're just one of them. And so I went through that a long time and then um, people started to see that that wasn't working right um and i don't even think they started seeing that that wasn't working for the right reasons they saw it more so because they wanted new investors to invest and if you said that that pool of people from that area weren't worthy of um investing in then the new people that came in wouldn't get in would wouldn't get that money.
0: Mm-hmm. They wouldn't
1: be able to, to renovate. They wouldn't be able to redevelop. So now you have uh, Mayor Duggan and a lot of different other people, you know, up the chain and, 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 and with deep pockets mm-hmm. saying, oh, no, banks, you need to get on board because if we have the new investors, you have to lend. They will live in this area and you will have to lend. And that's exactly what happened as, as, um, they started attracting people from the, uh, from outside of Detroit into Detroit, you know, they started changing the game with the lending. Right. And now, excuse me. Now, even though the people that were already here, uh, wasn't given a chance with the lending at first, because these other people were coming in, they couldn't, they couldn't discriminate anymore. It's like if you had all your ducks in a row, you were able to get the lending, lending one way or another. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't entirely fair. I really don't believe it was entirely fair. Mm-hmm. Um, the way things were carried out for a long time, there was a lot of ball dropping and stuff for certain people. you know. And of course, could you prove it? Not really, but the proof is in the pudding when you look at the numbers right. of who got loans and who didn't. And so, um, you know, but with, with, with perseverance, eventually I was able to get some funding to get the thing started to, to get the project started. And that's when I was able to start making those real repairs and, and actually get into the part of making things pretty.
0: Right, and I just I just want to comment and note here that Gloria is a veteran, a Air Force veteran, and this is also something that she's dealing with. So sometimes I don't know people. People want to put this like, oh, you served our country, so therefore you come back and it, it things are gonna be easy for you. But it's it's not. So it's it's almost like, you know, why is it so hard for people who go off and serve as well? It should have been, you know, of course. You know, you've got all these other mitigating factors, but, you know, it just shouldn't happen. should not have been that hard for a U.S. veteran to, you know, have to face so many barriers in addition to you, you know, already, you know, facing barriers being a black woman who is young and, you know, just on her own doing these kind of things. So um, I just want to say that, you know, the, those are those are factors that, you know, shouldn't have been. There shouldn't have been so many challenges considering that, you know, you did have the veteran centers and still, still are a
1: veteran. Right, right. And, and the, the honest truth is is that, you know, what should have taken me a couple of months to be able to achieve with this funding, it actually took me nearly two and a half, almost three years with a good job, with decent income, with uh, pretty much no other bills other than my car. Right um yeah and 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 pretty it was just it was the 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 credit score and and all you know it's like wow how how could you even even the asset i owned my house free and clear Mm -hmm. why could i not pull out equity it just made no sense especially when the equity was there
0: right
1: it made absolutely no sense And I mean, like when all, when you take all those factors and you boil it down, it really just came down to people, the powers that be looking at an area and saying, these are these type of people we don't want to deal with. And that's it. That's it. So, um, I did overcome that, that hurdle. And of course there was many, many more, you know, with an old house. And renovating and all those things, you know, you you, you uncover one wall and you find all types of stuff in there, mm-hmm. you know, and there, there are risks with uh, renovating and, 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 and rehabbing houses. But, I mean, like you look at Detroit, Detroit is primarily old stock. It's primarily old homes. You don't have a lot of new construction in Detroit. I mean, like it's, it's coming along right. and it's developing. But for the most part... There's tons of old homes that need love, and so uh, with my old home, there was a lot of things to put love on, you know, and and and, and um, and I I, I kind of call it lay hands on and and, and make new, mm-hmm. well not necessarily make new, but shine up and uh, and refurbish and make pretty again, and so uh, that's what I've been doing. Here and there, you know, just uh, um, one room at a time, one area at a time. Um, and uh, that kind of uh, led me to um, back to school, if anything.
0: Um, right, right. So it's, it's like, you know, you started off in this in this world of accounting and finance, and then you shifted because of this, this love of renovation. And you've always had this creative, you know, kind of underlying part of you that you know wants to build wants to create new things and so now you're able to apply that into you're right now getting your residential builders license and so what made you decide to take those decisions was it just because of the house and the love of the houses or the fact that you know this is your true creative side really being able to to come out and thrive
1: well, um, I've always been a, a lifetime type of learner. And I've always been more of a DIY than than hire somebody to do it type of person. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, with the house, there was so many things to do. And uh, there still are a lot of things to do. But um, I figured out early on that if you... Put all the power in other people's hands. It doesn't always come out right. Nobody will, will care about what you own more than you. Right. Um, if anything, you know, especially in the world of contracting, it was like, you know, there's a lot of predatory stuff out there. And so like, you know, you have somebody come in and give you a bid for uh, $10,000 for replacing something or tearing something out and making it new. But if you don't know anything about how that house is constructed and how, what steps it takes in order to create that new thing, you're just throwing money down, down a dark alley. I mean, like you have no idea where those dollars are going and you really don't know what it entails and and what, what they charged you 20, I mean, $10,000 for really could have realistically cost you $2,000. Right. Or something like that. If, like, say, for instance, you were able to do something on your own or, you know, if you some in some cases, if you just knew more and knew that they were pulling the wool over your eyes, I mean, like you probably would have saved money, too. Um, so um, with that, I learned early on that I'm going to have to do some things, especially when I could not find the funding mm-hmm. when I couldn't find the funding it was like, OK, well, you got to fix something. But you can't fix anything if you don't know anything
0: right.
1: right, you know how to paint a wall, but how do you fix the wall first and so um, with that uh, I started going on YouTube and going online the YouTube University will teach you everything mm-hmm. Well, not everything but it'll teach you a lot. And so with that digging and researching and starting to learn more about houses and how they were constructed a hundred years ago, cause my house is a hundred years old. Cause mm-hmm. so I was like, com- compared to new construction now, there's a big difference. And so you need to know that difference. And, um, you know, I just started picking up all this stuff and, and it wasn't just what HGTV taught you. Uh, HGTV will teach you how to make a house pretty, but won't necessarily teach you what makes the house stand up or
0: foundation,
1: Oh, that. what makes the roof <laughs> stay in place and mm-hmm. not cave in. And so with that being said, I realized that I wanted a deeper understanding for these things. And so uh, all these beautiful designs and stuff, I would squirrel those away, Pinterest and, and, and uh, little folders and little notebooks and all types of things and taking pictures and, and, you know, all these little project boards. But, um, I decided to go back to school and uh, this kind of lends to being a lifetime learner, mm-hmm. especially one that was pre- pre- previously in the military and having a Montgomery GI Bill at my fingertips. Um, I was able to do a lot with it. I, I was able, able to get a master's degree, plus go back to school community college and finish a associate's in construction management, which also gave me um, the classes I needed to sit for a residential builders exam. Um, so it, that, that really kind of put me in the right area or the right the right mindset of, of really knowing what it takes to build a house and what it what it takes to renovate you know a house from that time period because everybody doesn't know. Uh, what they're doing when they come into an old house right
0: right and I didn't know you had a degree in construction management okay.
1: the associates mm-hmm. I completed the associates program uh I haven't quite applied for <laughs> I haven't quite applied for the graduation because you know it's just like I it that wasn't my goal in the first place my goal right. was, was really Right. My goal was really just to learn. And so that was never a priority. And, and then on top of that, when I completed the classes I needed for the residential builders exam, it's like, I could care less about this associates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have the classes I need to get the license. So um, with that being said, um, I should have already taken the test. But um, I've been studying up and, and getting back on track. You know, COVID kind of derailed a lot of stuff. Uh, when it came down to testing and things like that, and it just kind of like fell to the wayside because they were closing everything. You know right. um, But now, um, I'm I'm kind of focusing myself again, and uh, I'm going to sit down and t- test uh, pretty soon and try to get just get get passed so that I can go ahead and um and get that license and not only renovate my own home but go forward with uh with other Uh, development projects and you know um uh the same way i got my home i was able to buy a commercial building and i haven't quite got started with that either but i mean like it was just you know uh, i found that this is something that i enjoy doing versus what i was doing previously which was auditing work and um you know even though The numbers and stuff was my first love and it still is numbers are everywhere numbers are in construction they are in in building because if you don't build your budget out and stick to it and make sure that everybody gets paid you'll be in a world of trouble you know and so when people have businesses like this and they don't have the accounting straight and they uh, they don't they don't make sure their books are held and uh (laughs) if, if if ever the um The construction board comes back and says, you're being audited. We need your books and you don't have them. You have a problem. You have a big problem. Uh, You have a big problem if if, uh, subcontractors and and things don't get paid because now you have liens on your property. And and (laughs) with liens on your property, you can't sell your property. You can't flip your property. They can take your property. So, um, you know, the numbers is always there no matter where you go. Especially when it comes to the, the amounts of money that's past hands when it comes to real estate. Um, so uh, with that being said, uh, this shift, I don't see this as a drastic shift. Uh, maybe in the actual daily works of it is a drastic shift. However, it's still touching in the financial realm. Uh, Real estate will always be in a financial realm because Mm -hmm. there is so much money being passed and exchanged between two parties. Uh, And so with that being said, um, you know, um, going forward, uh, I, I plan to take this knowledge that I've learned about construction and renovation and homes and the business side of things you know, like um, flipping, and um, um, there's one there's one practice that some people do is called um, I call it burr <laughs> but it's b r r r r, and in pretty much what what you're doing is you're you're buying um, maybe like a a duplex, mm-hmm. and you are renovating that duplex, living in one size completely free and renting the other side and having the renter pay for the, the t- entire expense oh, and so wow, you're essentially yeah. living free
0: i actually didn't know that I had a name one of my friends bought a house in hamtramck during the pandemic and she, like people bought the it was a duplex you know the side above her and they were more than happy because people were looking for homes at that point um especially a lot of folks who were just like well, um, we need somewhere to be because we gotta hunker down for the next who knows foreseeable future. So, um, yeah, I'm glad to know that it has a name.
1: Right, Burr. right, Burr. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of ways that people start to amass like their um their catalogs of properties. You know, um, you you have a lot of people, and it's starting to become a popular thing where you see even instagramers out there talking about how many doors or how many sets of keys they have um and um are investment properties They are houses that they're they're either flipping or fix and flip and then rent and um you know there's there's money to be made in real estate always people need a place to live but they also want to live somewhere nice and so um you know at any in any any place in that that whole chain of events you know there's money to be made there's even people that just make money on wholesaling and of course i mean like a lot of people probably heard about wholesaling but you know there's always new ways to for money to be made in real estate you know um and and for those that don't know wholesaling is when you find a, a distressed buyer or somebody just motivated to buy and you uh you get that that um that house under some type of contract, whether money is passed hands or not, is and that
0: like rent to own?
1: No, no, mm-hmm. no, because you never even have to move into it. What ends up happening is that you 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 just got permissions to that home from the original owner, and then you go out and you buy you find a buyer, you find a cash buyer, mm-hmm. and then you write in your profit. Mm-hmm. So that cash buyer may have been or investor may have been looking for a home for 40,000 and you got the house under contract for 30,000 from the owner you just made a profit of 10,000 in between the two just connecting them so you never even touched the home um so but that's that's something that's popular you know people some real estate people are throwing uh throwing that wholesaling in the mix just to make the extra pocket change you know and some people do it full time and You know, some people find their properties that their their keys that they have on hand where they're renovating and fixing and flipping or fixing and renting. And um you know, that's that's kind of where that's kind of where I'm I'm headed with this um this journey with renovating and, and and design. But I also have a love for historical preservation and historical Renovation and sometimes that that doesn't marry up with a fix and flip because it's more expensive to renovate a house and um, uh, keep it keep it true to historical uh, how how things used to be mm-hmm. you know um, a lot of the the historical building is higher quality uh materials and the construction is well done and it takes time and nowadays everything is prefab put it together boom 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 done and uh so those are two different animals and so i i just as i go forward i recognize that and i try to find a way to blend the two where it's still economical it's still efficient because you always want your house to be efficient Um, and, uh, at the same time, you don't lose the history, you know, because Detroit has a lot of homes with a lot of history and a lot of great architects that have built things, um, that you don't see anymore. You just don't see it anywhere and, um, you don't want to lose that.
0: Right, right. So, you know, I want to thank you for, like, your take on telling this story. So where can people out there find you? I know Fix Something Detroit, um, you said the title. You know, when you first started, you, you wanted to show folks how you fix things because you wanted that same level of guidance. Um, how can people find you on social media, website, um, anything like that? Because you, you are a serial entrepreneur, and so you wear multiple hats. Uh, tell us where we can find and follow you
1: yeah well fix something <clears throat> you can find me. I mean if you just type in fix something, <laughs> Detroit on uh, Google, Google it and you'll find several different ways there are several different channels several different channels to to uh, follow me. Uh, Instagram is one. Uh, Facebook groups is another. Um, I have a Facebook page as well as in um, uh, my own website and blog. Um, and then, if you're local to Detroit, um, I do frequent a lot of the uh, renovation, um, renovation, and home rehabbing groups. Uh, that's that's popular around Detroit. Uh, one in particular is Brick and Beam. They uh, they they help a lot of people, and um, uh, they've helped me a lot, a quite a bit just by connecting me with like-minded people. Uh, And so um, there's other avenues, too. I mean, like if you're really into the construction side of things, I mean, like you always have the Detroit Training Center. Um, And you are a lot of people are able to get licensed to do things and meet other trades people. And then there is uh, uh, I. I always recommend macomb community college because they have a lot of excellent teachers a lot of great architects and engineers and and uh just tradesmen that are there to teach you how to do it right um and uh yeah those are some of my resources you know if you wanted to dabble in i mean like another resource is uh make a real estate agent friend you know uh people in real estate they kind of have their ear to the ground when it comes to what's available and what's not. And, you know, what what's the market looking like and things like that. You know, make some friends with, uh, with people that work for banks as well, you know, um, because uh, they're the lenders. They're where the money come from. I mean, like you won't do cash for everything and, you know, um, there's leverage in lending sometimes.
0: Right, and at the end of the day, I think it's not what you know, is who you know, because your network is your net worth, and sometimes just kind of getting to know these folks, you'll know how the game works, and you'll know, you know, how you need to operate in it, and have, like, a strategy in play, but, um, okay, so, thank you very much for this interview. One, now record. Okay, okay, my name is William. Yes, I gonna get the door, 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 door. Thanks for listening to the quick topology. Which one is the single day, fam? Say my name. Yes, my name is William. Where is the telescope? Right here. My name is. Where is the
1: balloons? Right here. This is the every single time I gonna go ride the steam locomotive.
0: Say, my name is William. My name is William. Thanks for listening to the Quick to Politics Podcast. Do you see some animals right here? Okay. All right. Thanks for listening to the Quick to Politics Podcast. This has been uh, Ernestine Lyons with Nephew William. And and thanks for listening. Can I get the bubbles?
1: No. And uh, the people that, you know, kind of believe a different set of rules are suppressed. They will continue to be suppressed until somebody gives them the the encouragement to speak up and say, hey, you know, what you believe matters too. Um, And in in this administration, under Trump, it's like nothing truly mattered when it came down to people that didn't follow Trump. Mm -hmm. Nothing really mattered. And so this is why you had all of this disruptive uh type of behavior from so many different parties and and and, um and you also had um people just rising up against you know um all of the wrongdoing you know um they were tired tired of being silenced and so with that being said you know you really do have to look at leadership this is why there's this being this transition of so many more people speaking up and saying, Oh yeah, we need, we need to unify again. And we need to do this because they have the courage now because the, the leadership is changing. They have a voice now, you know, um, when you have, like I said, when you have so many people following the wrong side, you know, the people with the other, with the other perspective, they don't have a voice, you know, uh, or they're silenced, or they're, they're belittled, or they're, as you've seen in, in the Trump administration, they are uh, ostracized and demonized, and, you know, uh, he goes on the tw- the Twitter rants against them, and, and, you know, it's just, this is how it is, that's how it is, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be that way, but um, the right person in power is mo- is really important. It's really important. And so hopefully with uh, going forward with Biden, um, you know, things will change. I th- nothing will ever be perfect mm-hmm. for any administration. But um, it should be an administration that respects the country and res- respects the people that live within the country, you know, not just a few, a minority. Because when you look at it, no matter how you spin it, the Trump supporters were a minority.
0: Right, right. And this is something that, like, even other political friends are just like, they don't represent everybody, you know, white. They don't represent everybody who feels, you know, like the rural, you know, maybe less college-educated voice is not being heard. And so it, it was just like a fringe, extreme voice, but it is a voice that, you know, is growing in momentum. And so you know even though they don't represent all voices they're a voice that you know i think this moment for people to take such drastic action it does point to a need for like really really deep systemic change so and with that i want to thank you so much for being a part of quick to politic and joining us for today's episode and we enjoyed having a lovely talk with you so once again this has been gloria lyons and uh, ernestine lyons On Quick to Politic. What the heck happened to the audio? Alright.
1: Oh no.
0: Alright, well, thank you for listening.
1: Alright, everybody. Okay, bye-bye.